hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to the We Podcast, where we speak, we grow, we rise. I'm your host, Sarah Moneras, and I'm passionate about creating community and providing a space for speaking authentic truth, growing together, and rising above the challenges and into the full power of all we were created to be. This week on the WE Podcast, I interview Glenda O'Neill. Glenda is an accredited counselor and family therapist, teacher, mama of three wonderful miracles, wife of to one amazing husband, lover of life, and proud Aussie. Her passion is to help men and women break free from the internal stuff in their past and in the present that holds them back from living in the abundance they're intended to live and thrive in. She also has a particular interest in journeying with individuals through grief and loss, stress, and anxiety. Glenda provides face-to-face and online counseling sessions with individuals and couples and has recently launched, launched an online course assisting people to walk through the process of forgiveness to gain their freedom in their inner world. Glenda is also the founding director of Novo Counseling, and together with her husband, Jeff, and a friend, Dr. Alphine, they have developed a workplace well-being program designed to address mental health needs in the workplace and in their local region. This is a super fun interview where we chat about the hard stuff, but we also laugh like crazy. <laughs> I can't wait for you to meet Glenda and hear about her amazing story. You're going to absolutely love her just as much as I do. Here we go. Here is my interview with Glenda. All right. Here we go. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited. <laughs> so, so excited to have Miss Glenda here with me today on the We Podcast. I think I've been trying to get you on here for a little while, and here we are. <laughs> Glenda, you are like my sister on the other side of the world that we've never met, but... <laughs> We've met, just not in person yet. Someday, right. yes. yes. It will happen. Yes, but definitely somebody that I felt connected to from the very beginning and just like one of those people where I think you, you, you meet them and know instantly that you have a lot of similarities, kind of kindred hearts. So we're both therapists and I'll let you uh, start hop in and just tell us all about you tell our listeners more about you and we will hop into your story as well okay so i am i hope um i hope my accent isn't too off-putting <laughs> oh no we love it and by the way yes glinda lives in australia i said it all the way across the world but i didn't say where you live <laughs> uh, Australia. I love Australia. This is my, my home. <laughs> I am, I am Australian through and through. I, yeah, I, I've, I've been born and bred here in um, Australia and um, yeah, so I grew up in a, actually in a really small country town uh, in Southern Australia and, um, and I was 
the oldest of four children. I had a pretty good life really <laughs> growing up. So did you want me to tell, tell you a little bit about me now? Or, or Sure, yeah. Tell us that? about you. Tell us about okay. you now and then we'll go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm a, I'm a mama of three children, um, ages 10, five and a half and three. My kids are just adorable. They <laughs> are. And I have an amazing husband, Jeff, who uh, we've been married for almost 15 years and um, could not imagine life without him. He is my partner in crime. I love him to bits. <laughs> we have a very complimentary um, existence, I, I feel. We, um, you know, whether it's personally and professionally, we just have so much that just complements one another and I just love being on the, the journey with him. So it's, it's pretty amazing. We live in a, a slightly larger regional regional town, I guess you could call it, town, city. Don't really call it a city, but <laughs> here in um, northeastern Victoria in Australia. And I, I am currently um, a counsellor. I'm the, the founding director of Novo Counselling, uh, which I, I really launched at the beginning of last year, uh, so the beginning of 2017. Um, after being a teacher for 22 years at that point, so I really um, loved my teaching, been teach had been teaching for quite some time, obviously, and uh, I think when I got to about the 10-year mark of my, my teaching career, I, I realised I, um, there was something else that I really wanted to do and, and I found a bit of a, a gap, I guess, in, in my, my teaching career. I felt like I was fairly ill-equipped to actually deal with some of the, the social and emotional issues that I found coming uh, you know, into my classroom with the children and their families and, and even amongst the, you know, the rest of the school community. So I um, decided at that point that I would actually go and study counselling and uh, sort of upskill myself so that I had something a little bit extra to bring to to the community that I was I was working in. So, yeah, so I did that and um, and now I've been a counsellor for about 10 years as well alongside of my teaching so that that's sort of been something that I've done side by side for some time until uh, the beginning of last year when I yeah so the end of 2016 I finished up my my official role as a teacher at the school that I'd been teaching at for over 15 years and I um, started my own practice which has been a very exciting journey <laughs> Mm. Yes, exciting and wonderful and stressful too, uh, probably. But amazing, absolutely amazing. So what did you teach before? Uh, so um, through my, my teaching career, I really taught five-year-olds right through to 12 12 year olds so what you guys would call elementary school it's primary school over here um, that was yeah that was where I taught 
Uh, and yeah, everything from the beginning of school, yeah, beginning of school through till the end of primary or elementary school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I think uh, before we end our conversation today, we're going to have to go through a little bit of uh, Aussie slang and you're going to have to. <laughs> oh, I should have prepared that one earlier. <laughs> You're going to have to teach us a little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh. some, some places we will not go, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not on here. This is PG rated. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, <yeah. Absolutely. laughs> it's funny. Oh, I kind of grabbed onto what you said about teaching and seeing the social and emotional things arise. I think that's so true. I, I can see it even going and volunteering in my son's school. They don't have any counselors at his school either, which to me is sad. Um, it's all about the funding issues and all of that. But I think that's so true. And so when you were able to incorporate your teaching with the counseling, how did you see that? I, I mean, was there a big difference? What, what did you um, see? I guess with that, once I, once I uh, got my training and, um, and was able to then move out and, and start really using it in, a, in an official capacity, I, um, yes, I employed a lot of techniques and strategies within the classroom, which was wonderful. But then I guess I saw another, another bit of a... Um, a difficulty in that in that when when I was a teacher you know I it was I guess working with also the disciplinary issues that needed to take place within the classroom then I I um, it was it was difficult sometimes to be able to employ those same counseling techniques with the children who were within my care in the classroom it, it just it felt like it was yeah a bit of a bit of a counterproductive sort of um, Thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, at times. But so what I ended up doing for a little while was um, I in my part-time position because I already had children at that point. So I, I've only worked as a teacher part-time since I had my children, and um, so the so I was teaching in the classroom for a couple of days a week, and then I also had at that same time. A separate role as the school counsellor so I would work another day just in my role as a as a school counsellor so then I could see children you know separate to me being the class teacher there was still some you know still some crossover still a little bit of trickiness within that but um, but it it just allowed allowed me I guess to be able to help to meet some of the needs of the the children who were really struggling on emotional you know with emotional and social issues yeah thankfully since then the school has a much more um a better a better system in place so that yeah we've got a great well-being team at the school now so um when i was there doing that it was in the very very early stages so but it, it um yeah, I, I guess being a teacher in that space just helped me to see, uh, you know, there was, there, was, there was an element that was missing from, um, I'm not sure if it's 
or you said, you know, your son Logan's school doesn't really have a school counsellor either. I'm not sure how how that works in the states. Um, in I know in Australia now most schools have a have either a counsellor or, or a psychologist, which is wonderful. But you know, the need is great. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 It used to be that way here. It used to be that all the schools had a counselor and a psychologist. And now it seems I Colorado is um, like number, I want to say 48 in the states of uh, the worst funding. Like we have the worst second wow. to last worst funding in the United States, <laughs> wow. which is terrible. And, you know, um, it seems like when there's funding issues, mental health and the support services are the number one things to be cut. Mm -hmm. And so the city that I live in, most of the elementary schools don't have counselors, middle schools wow. and high schools do, but they play multiple roles. Uh, mm -hmm and do a lot of the scheduling and that yes. type of thing rather than actually meeting with students and which mm. is why I actually because I started out of school counseling major and I uh. I switched because the actual time that you get to spend with students doing That's that awesome. work is very very minimal so wow yeah, it's not good. There's lots of things that we need changed. <laughs> yes, I agree. Absolutely. Here too. The, I mean, the, I guess, you know, when we understand that children don't, you know, they're not going to function uh, academically, they're not going to, um, you know, fit into the, the community of a classroom or a school if their mental and emotional well-being isn't... Um, isn't stable so you know that should be the most important the most important thing but sadly it's not always the case yeah yeah I um, agree in this sentence oh yeah we need to I this could I could I won't even go down this road because <laughs> no, don't get me started here uh, yeah yeah it's so true it's so true the things we value and the things we don't as a society and how backwards it is is one of yeah. my things that drives me or I can get on a soapbox so I'm not going to do that this is about you Glenda <laughs> we want to know your story <laughs> I know I I think we were a couple weeks ago I think we were on the phone for how many hours uh, I think it was about two yeah <laughs> I love it though we can just it's talk and talk <laughs> yeah, I know it did. It seemed like it was like 10 minutes. So the the premise and the heart behind this podcast, and I know you know because you've listened to some of the previous episodes, is really to help women to know they're not alone in their struggles. We all have struggles for sure, um, as you know, and also to help to find the courage, I, I say that because for a long time I didn't have courage to speak up um, for sure. And yeah. I think that's a huge part of growth is finding that courage to speak your truth and what's true for you. And I know uh, you said earlier that's a relative term and I'd love yeah. to hear your, even your thoughts on that. But um, 
I think it's so, so important. It's, a, it's an important place for women to get to. And a lot of times it's hard for them to get there if they think they're the only ones that feel a certain way or the only ones that struggle with a certain thing or the only ones that have ever struggled. And yes. so I would just love to hear your thoughts on that and kind of speaking your truth. I actually, I was on Facebook for like five minutes today mm -hmm. and uh, I saw briefly your post about your story. Yeah. You just posted yeah. that today, which was a yeah. beautiful post. So tell us more, tell us more. Uh, so I, I guess I've, I've grown through my, through my journey in life to understand that you know, my story is important. My story is valuable and my story isn't actually just for me. It's actually, um, and this particularly, I didn't include this in the post that I wrote this morning, but what helped me to come to that was um, one particular challenge that um, my husband and I faced in our, in our life very early on in our marriage where we found out, well, we were told that we weren't able to have children. So, uh, that was that was quite confronting, quite a confronting moment. And I I remember you know asking all those questions: Why me? Why us? Why you know why why does this happen so easily for other people and not for us? This is not fair. You know I found myself just spiraling downward into this into this place of feeling very sorry for myself, feeling uh, a great deal of self pity, and just you know um, wondering really what what life was all about what you know what the meaning what that meant for me in my life and moving forward even as a woman um so i i remember it was it was quite a journey and um you know and in all honesty we had to you know we were we were on a fertility journey for a, a few years and that in itself was a very a very lonely journey, a very isolating journey. It wasn't a journey that we really, I guess we shared with a few people in our world. Um, some who were very understanding, others who weren't quite so. And, and so we recognised very early on that this was going to be a journey with a bit of a difference, something that we'd never experienced before, something that most people in our world hadn't actually experienced either. So we felt very much on our own. But I remember navigating that time so it was basically it was three years um on this on this fertility journey uh, until we we finally found out that we were pregnant um and so that was that was a, a miracle in and of itself because we didn't think that that would ever happen but we were willing to willing to have a try and you know so so along along that i guess there was in hindsight, once we got to that point of finding out we were pregnant, we looked back over our journey over that, that three years or so and recognised that what we'd been on was a really intense grief journey. And, and I'd been, you know, I'd been through grief processes prior to that in my, in my life, but they looked very different. And, and what I, uh, I guess I came to understand through you know, reflecting on that time was that the grief journey that we had been on um, was really like, you know, we were going through a grief process every every month <laughs> and, and yet we had nothing concrete to actually 
show for, you know, um, as our loss, you know, it wasn't like we had a, a baby that we had to bury or, um, and I'm not minimising that in any way, shape or form, but for us, it was a, it was a, a grief and a, and a loss every month, but we, you know, we were on our own in that, um, experiencing that. So, but sorry, getting back to the point I was going to, going to mention is that, through that, I remember at one point just actually saying to my husband, even if we don't ever get pregnant, even if we never, you know, this never results in a child, I know that what we've been through is going to help someone else. Um, and, and for me, that was enough of a, enough of a revelation, enough of a, a purpose within that disappointment and within that grief and within that. Um, you know, that time that didn't make a whole lot of sense, that actually helped me to keep going. It helped me to understand that, you know, everything that I go through has, has a purpose and it's not always just for me. <laughs> and so I guess, you know, part of that too, you know, as you know, Sarah, I'm a, I'm a woman of faith. I believe in God. Um, and and that was very much a part of my my journey as well. Um, you know, I guess let's call it a faith journey. It was a faith journey. So um, I, you know, there was so much that I learnt through that time. And so that was um, that, you know, was brought us to our first having our first child. And then we thought after that it would all happen quite easily. We wanted, you know, our plan was to have three children, and um, then we got to that next point and it wasn't happening again. We weren't able to get pregnant again. So another three years on fertility and we were about to give up and we, um, we, uh, we'd had a couple of failed attempts and we had determined that this next attempt was going to be our last and we were just going to, we were going to be happy with what we had. We weren't going to continue to just, you know, want more all the time. So we were, we were happy with our beautiful little girl that we already had. And then, um, our, yeah, after, like I said, another three years, we fell pregnant with our, our second, second daughter. So that was an incredible blessing. And uh, again, I guess, you know, that was, it was a very tumultuous journey. <laughs> um, you know, those six years that we were on fertility, there were a number of challenges, you know, that was not all, here. I don't know if you use this, this saying in, in the States, but that wasn't all beer and Skittles. That was, <laughs> I don't know if that's just an Aussie term. That's what I'm saying a lot. And I don't even drink beer. Um, <laughs> I haven't heard that one. That is awesome. <laughs> I'm going to start using that. <laughs> so, um, so that was, yeah, that was quite a journey. And, you know, again, in reflecting on all of that, my husband and I have been, been able to draw out so much that we learned through that time. You know, there, was, there were a lot of challenges for us in our marriage during that time as well. You know, it definitely was not easy street. It was, it was definitely, you know, put a lot of strain, a lot of pressure on our relationship and, you know, it, it was quite a challenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I feel like that's something that people just don't talk about. Mm. Um, and I don't know if I, I think infertility is, is one of those things that's a lot of times kept really hush hush yeah. and such a lonely journey that that can be for sure. Yes. And I don't know, I, I think as women too, we tend to beat ourselves up maybe about why isn't my body working the way that it's supposed to, or the way other women's bodies work, or I, I, I can't imagine the extent that your struggle was. Um, mine even, I couldn't breastfeed and I had such a hard time with that. It was so hard. And the extent of beating myself up about that, (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So I can imagine all of the feelings and emotions that had to come along with that and how it could really Mm -hmm. take a toll on your relationship with your husband for sure. For sure. Yeah. Understanding that, you know, I, I guess, you know, sort of doing my counseling training as well helped me to understand that the grief process is actually, um, will look different for everyone but at the same time it's it's not confined just to you know losing losing someone that you love through death or you know separation or divorce or something like that but um i guess what i became became very passionate about from that point on was you know helping people to recognize when they were in grief because often people you know don't recognize that that's what they're going through when it's a sort of not not your traditional kind of death or separation mm-hmm. or grief. <laughs> um, and so, you know, that became quite uh, an area of interest for me and I really, really grew in that um, to the point now where that's one of my, my specialties that I, I work with with, um, with clients. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned too, you know, just the difficulties around breastfeeding, just... Um, working with a lot of new mums on that, even birth experiences and how, um, you know, their expectation for what their their birth experiences may have been like were completely blown out of the water. And so, um, you know, helping them to, allowing them and validating them through their grief process in in that as well is really, really important because I think um, sometimes it's just not recognised as being a grief process. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. And having that grief process every single month too, mm. it's not mm-hmm. something that probably most people have thought of that way. No, no. And and it was interesting because once we had um, become pregnant with our first daughter, we we even within the community that we lived you know we started to talk a little bit more about our our story and it was interesting because out of the woodwork would come other people who uh were on a similar journey and you know we we knew nothing about what they were going through until we started sharing our story so which brings me back to my post for today is how you know our story is actually it's it's not meant just for us. <laughs> you know, we, we are designed to live in community. So whatever we go through is actually designed to be shared, you know, um, 
obviously there are, you know, there are exceptions here and there to that. But essentially, you know, the journey that we go through, I believe, is is to be shared so that other people can gain understanding and um, wisdom and tools and strategies to be able to help them move forward if they're on a similar journey or, um, you know, just, just to be able to help equip and support and encourage people who are on a similar journey. Because essentially, you know, we, we all need validation, we all need encouragement. Even if the journey is, is somewhat different, it's still, we still all need that, don't we? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I love that. I'm going to mean that whatever we go through is designed to be shared. I think, oh, that's so true. And yeah. how when we keep it to ourselves, not only does it isolate us and make us have to deal with things and, and go through things on our own, but we are truly keeping valuable information and support and encouragement from other people that could yeah. be using that. I love that. Such a, sure. such a great point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's um, something I've become quite passionate about. <laughs> yeah. This is why we, we connect so well, I think. <laughs> yeah. Very similar hearts because, and, and I love it too, because we are both therapists and, I think the fact that we're so aligned is really telling because we know both of us, we hear people's inner worlds. We hear their inner thoughts and their feelings and all of those things, struggles on a regular basis and how desperate people are to connect and how that's such a core pivotal piece for so many people. And simply to, to hear that what they're going through or what they've been through is actually significant, um, to be validated in that. I think there's so much, I often say it, you know, to, to clients or even when I'm working with couples or families, just the power of validation can never, ever be underestimated. It is, it is one of the most powerful tools just in relationship, you know, working with um, my husband and I have done a bit of work with, uh, pre-marriage counselling with um, with couples over the years, and, uh, and and that's you know that's one point I guess you know when it comes to communication, you can never ever underestimate the power of validating someone for what they're going through, whether regardless of whether you agree with it or not, or whether you're on the same page or not. Validation is oh my goodness, cannot emphasize that enough. Mm. <laughs> it is so powerful. Oh, so powerful. Yeah, then that's a, it's such a great point because so many people think that you have to agree with the other person's experience or you have to understand the other person's experience in order to validate them is absolutely not true because we never 100% understand really uh, because we're not fully in their shoes. But I think that's probably one of the biggest things I see in working with couples too, is just wanting to be validated. But then the other one's like, well, I can't validate you because I don't agree with you. I <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, I'm just, uh, one of the biggest things I've understood through, um, you know, 
even my marriage and working with other other couples, whether pre-marriage or, you know, in the midst of marriage or, you know, even post, you know, whether it's um, separation or divorce, just understanding that, you know, uh, having or building a heart connection with your, your partner it has got to be number one. And even I can say that with regard to, you know, my kids as well. That is my number one goal is to build. And Sarah, I know that you've spoken to this too in your in your recent series on parenting as well that you did on Facebook. Um, but connection, heart connection, true heart connection is absolutely key. And, and I think, you know, if we can learn how to foster a true heart connection, wow, this world would be a very different place. <laughs> oh, yeah. Easier yeah. said than done, obviously, at times. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not claiming that I've got it perfect by no means do I, but it's, it's something that is it's the goal that is always at the forefront of my mind, building a heart connection with my kids and my husband and, and the other people in my world um, is absolutely key, yeah. Well, it changes everything. It, it really does. It changes everything. It changes the way you see yourself, the way you see the world, the way, the way you see everything if you're yeah. really connected with people on that level. And it takes mm. the pressure off too from you feeling like you always have to be right. <laughs> oh, man, that's true. <laughs> For me, I always felt like I... I had to be, I had to be right. <laughs> There's one for my husband to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be glad you admitted that. Huh? No. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, so let's go back for just one second. You said, no. you know, your fertility journey really was a faith journey. And mm. the fact that, you could find faith in in that experience to the extent that as long as I get to help somebody from this experience, then it's all worth it yeah. is absolutely amazing. I think that's the goal, right? Is to be able to find some sort of a purpose, but that's, it's so hard for people to do. And yeah. so can you tell us a little bit about how you got to that place and you know, does that had it was um it, it was a struggle, it was a real challenge. I can't even tell you exactly when in that in that journey I, I got to that place, but um I know it was it was a long way in. <laughs> um I you know, there was a lot of heartache, a lot of tears, a lot of feeling like I wanted to just give up, a lot of feeling very misunderstood and even feeling deserted by by you know people in my world who I thought would always be there, mm. um, and simply because there was a feeling of helplessness, you know there was nothing anyone else could do to change what was happening for us. And um, grand scheme of things, I knew that I had a lot to be thankful for. Uh, and so, you know, my husband and I had always talked too about you know either fostering or adopting children or you know so there were other possibilities you know there was still that there was still that um struggle that I had with feeling like I wouldn't fully be a woman if I can say this excuse me okay being very very open here 
but didn't feel like I would be fully a woman if I hadn't had that giving birth experience or, you know, carrying a child, that sort of thing. And, and, um, and for me at that point, I was also probably what you would call an older mum. <laughs> I was, I was in my early to mid thirties or was my mid thirties when I had my first, first child. And, and so I also had that sense that my, my biological clock was ticking <laughs> and, um, and I had had a number of health issues prior to that too, which, which were quite significant. And I guess in the back of my mind kind of thought, oh, you know, am I, is that going to play a part in, in um, where I'm, you know, in my ability to have children? So I had so many questions and no answers. And I, like I said, I, um, I just got to the point where I felt like I'd tried everything. I had done everything that I knew how to do and where the faith part of this kicked in for me <laughs> was really knowing that there was nothing left that I could do. I, I had to just, you know, just trust that if, um, if this was the path that we were to take, then how was I going to make the most of this? And, you know, if, we, if it did result in having a, a baby at some point, then that would be a bonus. <laughs> and so, so in answer to your question, I'm, I'm not sure exactly it, what, what it was that got me to that point, but I know it was a choice. I know there were lots of moments where I absolutely felt like giving up and probably did as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it reminds me of really the the word that keeps popping into my head as you're talking is surrender, like yeah. getting to a place of pure surrender where you were yeah. able to let go of the control maybe you're trying to make it happen and and just yeah. totally say, okay, I I can let go of this because I don't have control and fully surrender over to you. That's right. And, and interestingly, just um, before we did fall pregnant, we actually, um, we actually started fostering a child. So we uh, had a foster, foster daughter come in, into our home uh, and we had had her in our, in our family for about a year before we um, found out we were pregnant with, with our first daughter. So, so we, you know, I guess, you know, we'd even gone down that path of thinking, you know, we'll, We'll, um, we'll foster a child or we'll adopt a child or, you know, like we, we just wanted to get on with it. Yeah, it was, it was still hard and we were still on that journey, but we um, absolutely just, you're so spot on with what you said, Sarah, it really was, you know, it was an act of surrender in, in so many ways um, because there was actually nothing more we could do. So we had to we had to either be okay with that, and what was the other option? The other option was living a miserable life, which well didn't sound too appealing. <laughs> to <laughs> so, um, and I guess I'm a huge believer. You know, a little bit earlier you said you know about finding purpose, and I think that was one of the big things that I've realised not just from that experience, but a number of other experiences in my in my life that I've realised that. You know, it's out of your pain that you generally do find your purpose. And so for me, um, you know, this, this idea of 
you know, becoming a counsellor and, and, and just helping people in that way came, came from my own pain. And, um, and that's how I feel like I'm, I'm making a significant difference in the world now. It's just by what I'm doing. And it's, um, yeah, simply came out of, out of the pain that, that I've been through. Yeah. Yeah, you sure are making a significant difference. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you're so right. I, I mean, I, well, I feel like I can completely relate to that. And mm. yeah, I, I think that when you've been through pain, it's easier to have empathy for other people's pain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. sure. And Something I say a lot is that, you know, we don't maybe know exactly what somebody else has gone through because like I've never had infidelity, uh, infidelity, infertility. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. I love it. Love it. Oh, oh, I'm infidel. Yep. Yeah. That's for that's for Naomi and <laughs> and Dave. Dave, yeah. Dave can talk to that one. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Infertility. It's both they're both ins, right? Absolutely. Very, very closely. <laughs> Sorry. Oh goodness. Okay. I've never had infertility. Um struggles that's mm. not a part of my story but I've had other pain and so the thing is is I feel like maybe we we don't know the exact situation but we know pain and mm -hmm. so uh, I think pain is pain and it it allows us to connect with each other too uh, in that deeper level as long as we allow ourselves too. So, so often when people have pain, they, as you know, they close up and they go inward. And yeah. so I think your story is, it's a great example of how you, how you turn that, how you use it for purpose. Cause I think you have a choice one way or the other. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, absolutely a part of it and I, one of the messages I feel like I I am um, I'm also very passionate about is is helping people to see that they actually do have a choice you know regardless of the circumstances and, and I'm not for a moment pretending that you know going through those painful situations is ever easy because it's not mm. and it's absolutely necessary to acknowledge that and to um, like I said earlier too, just be able to be validated in that. That's really important. But to also recognise that we have a choice as to where we, where we go with that, whether we stay in that place where we stay stuck emotionally and, and almost become stunted in our emotional growth or whether we actually choose to take that and do the... I guess the hard yards, in all honesty, it is, it's hard work um, to, to move forward and to, uh, you know, just to move forward and see what, you know, what comes out of that because there is always going to be a purpose in that. You know, and that's not the kind of thing we always want to hear when we're in the middle of a painful situation either. We don't want to throw that around in a cliche 
sort of manner, but um, it's really, it is really important to be able to recognize for ourselves that, okay, this thing that I'm going through right now, it, it's ugly, it's nasty, it's painful, it's awful, and I hate it, but, <laughs> but there is going to be some incredible gold that will, you know, come out of that at the other end. Yeah. Yeah, it's not always, it's, it's definitely not the easiest thing to do. It's, um, it's not comfortable. <laughs> it, no, it does no take, take the hard work. And, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it takes a lot of courage to do the hard work. I think, you know, so often I talk to people who they don't want to come to therapy because they think that it, makes them weak or uh, there's something wrong with them or something like that. And in my mind, the people who come in, the people who walk through the doors, the people who make the call to set up the appointment, all of those things are some of the bravest things that you can do to put yourself out there and, and have that courage to work through it and to be in that uncomfortable, hard place. Yes, absolutely. Uh, as you were talking then, Sarah, it just made me think of, um, I absolutely agree with you. I know that's something I always commend my clients on when they do come in is is how courageous it actually is of them to, to make that call, first of all, then to actually arrive and <laughs> show up um, and engage in the process because it, yeah, going on that journey is, is not an easy one, but once once you make the decision to do that, oh, so rewarding, so rewarding. Uh, one of the other things I was just going to mention was that, um, you know, so often when we're in that, that place of pain, we can, it's very easy to to excuse ourselves from, from making choice, like the right choices or better choices, or it's very, easy to deny that there is a problem or it's very easy to blame someone else for that and um and i think you know that was that was definitely part of my journey to begin with um you know there were there was blame there were excuses there was denial and and i really that was something i really had to had to work hard at removing because it was it, it wasn't serving me well it wasn't bringing life that's I guess that's you know that's something I recognize as being really important is being able to bring life to my being but also to others around me and if I'm living in blame excuse and denial then ah, it's a bit of an ugly place to to reside really isn't it mm-hmm. and learning to take ownership of um of my you know where I'm at and, and my feelings, my responses. Mm, that's um, huge. Yeah. Such, a, such a power shift with that, going really from that victim mentality yeah. to the empowered. Mm-hmm. That's the, the victor. I like, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and having accountability in that too, because sometimes we can think that, uh, you know, it's what we were saying before about connection and community is if we don't have that, then we um, can be very wise in our own eyes, but not so 
wise in reality, if that makes sense. Yeah, total <laughs> sense. Um, <laughs> yes. It's really important to, you know, to have accountability with people who are on the same page or, you know, who hold the same sort of values uh, in, in, your, in your world. And, um, and because that helps us to take responsibility, doesn't it? It helps us to, to grow in our, in our maturity and our emotional intelligence and all of those sort of things. It's really important to be able to, yeah, to take ownership. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know that. And I say that, you know, because that has been, that has been a journey that I've had to navigate. Um, and without taking ownership, I wouldn't be in the space that I'm in now. I wouldn't, um, you know, and there are still struggles, don't get me wrong. <laughs> there are still, you know, things that, you know, I deal with on a, on a regular basis. But the, the distance between those things happening and me dealing with them is a whole lot more narrow now than it used to be. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I, I mean, I don't think there can really be growth without taking accountability and, and having ownership. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm, I think, I think that in general, we're in a kind of an era or a society where it's really a lot easier to blame other people, to blame God to blame mm -hmm. your sister. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Whoever yeah. you want to blame. <laughs> Rather yeah. than taking that ownership of yourself. So that is so huge and powerful, especially in a situation like this where it is a lot of pain. It is a lot of grief. I think you're yeah. such, uh, I love hearing this from you. And I didn't know a lot of this about you either. Okay. Yeah, um, but that you went through the infertility and um, all of that. I this is new information for yeah. me. <laughs> so thank you for sharing because oh, I do think it's so important for for people to hear. You know, mm -hmm. even in the midst of the really really hard, even in the midst of. Gosh, that tremendous grief. I can choose to take responsibility. I can choose yeah. what my outcome is going to be. I can choose to surrender and not control. I can, right. it's huge. Yeah, yeah it is. Uh, I feel like I need to add another little bit to that um, because I say I have three children. <laughs> yes, yes. I was going to ask about your baby boy. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> So after I had my second daughter, um, I was I was 38 when I had her, and um, and I remember saying to a number of people that I would, because of our journey, that I always wanted three children, but I I didn't want any more children once I reached 40. So so that was fine. And so once we had Isabella, we really just determined in our hearts that our family was complete and that we were we were incredibly blessed to have two beautiful children and so that was that was amazing we were we were feeling pretty pretty blessed at that point and um and then I turned 40 and <laughs> 
And we um, decided as a family we were going to go away and celebrate. And, you know, we went overseas. We went to the US and Canada for a few weeks. And that was just wonderful. And when we came home, I actually found out I was pregnant with number three. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Quite an amazing story surrounding that, which I, I won't go into right now. But, you know, like I said, our family was complete. We, we thought with, um, with our two girls and then we, <laughs> we found out we were pregnant with our little boy and I was, I was 41 just before I had him. <laughs> so I thought there's a, God's got a, an incredible sense of humour too. But um, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm my timing, not yours, Glenda. <laughs> totally, totally. So, uh, and he is just, he, he turned three this January, just gone, and he is an incredible little blessing and we really, we know that our family is complete. We, um, yeah, wouldn't be the same without him, although, you know, we love our girls to bits as well. So we are incredibly blessed. But going back to what you were saying about surrender, you know, we really had just, you know, that was, we were much, we were very relaxed in that, in that space because we, you know, we weren't trying to have another child. We weren't, you know, all those sort of things that you hear. Um, and it, and it happened. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah. So that's how number three came about. <laughs> that's that's awesome that is awesome it's i i've heard i feel like i've heard stories quite a few times of people who yeah. have adopted and then gotten pregnant yeah. um it actually happened to one of my friends they they adopted they were going through the whole adoption process and she got pregnant and another lady i know uh, she was told she could not have any children ever, and wow. there's lots of medical reasons why she couldn't. And they adopted and picked up their baby, um, and she got pregnant. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, it is amazing, yeah. but it's so yeah. powerful. I mean, something to be said about that letting go of that control and letting go of trying to plan it ourselves. And I know my story uh, did not go the way I envisioned it. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. Amazing. Amazing. And, and I guess, you know, just understanding, um, you know, even in the journey of parenthood, um, you know, for me, like I said, I'm an, I'm a, a mum of younger children. I'm in my almost my mid forties now, and and yet I I struggled with that for a little while, just thinking, oh, I'm going to be one of those older mums, and I'm going to be, you know, just sort of, you know, going on that next bit of a struggle. But then I, again, just had to come to the point where I realised actually no, I'm positioned in this season of my life, uh, in the position that I'm in at the age that I am for a, a, a purpose. So I'm just going to embrace that. I'm going to just live in it. I'm going to love it and I'm going to make the most of it. And, um, and so, yeah, I can be really honest in saying that age actually isn't an issue for me now. Like I don't, it's not something that bothers me. Yeah, I really, I really am very at peace with that. And I think I am incredibly blessed to have my children and I'm just going to 
Um, my goal is to remain as youthful as I can for as long as I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought you were younger than that. If it makes you feel any better, I thought you were totally in your thirties for sure. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm being I'm being honest when I say that. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for for your vulnerability. I think this is really what grows people for sure is that authentic self and that the the ability of amazing women like you to be able to be vulnerable and say this is my journey this is where I've been this is where I've come through and and that you can come through it too and it might not be exactly the same but I know so many women will find strength and encouragement in your story and in everything that you've shared with us so thank you for that thank you yeah so before we get off here, because I could just keep talking to you forever, and I think <laughs> oh, someday I will come to Australia and hug you for sure. <laughs> yes, I look forward to that. Yes, me too. <laughs> so I have two questions that I ask all of my guests and I'll ask you. Um, the first one is, is what do you feel has been the most vital to your growth? Yeah, look, I, I think probably what I said before about taking responsibility for my growth and in every area of my life, my emotional growth, my, um, you know, every area and, and I think there was a point where I could say that I there were times where I expected other people to do it for me as silly as that sounds but the most most vital thing for my growth has definitely been taking responsibility for for my growth not mm. putting that on anyone else and and along with that I guess is um, one of my little little quips or phrases is just do it afraid I've I've learned because it didn't come naturally for me at all to do the hard things I've learned to push through the fear and to, to you know just do it and so there was a there's a lady that I used to listen to a long time ago who her little phrase was do it afraid and I, I adopted that because it was it just really spoke to me in the season of life. I think it might have been in that season of in, infertility and um, so do it afraid and just do the hard things. So there, there was three, sorry. No, <laughs> no, those are amazing. Yeah. So yeah. just really responsibility, doing the hard things and doing it afraid. Mm, I love those. I love it. <laughs> so good. It's so true. I mean, all of them are vital for sure. So yeah. the next one is, is what do you want to make sure that people know? Mm. Again, what do I, there's so many to choose from, but <laughs> I, think, um, I think if I was to say, you know, what do I want people to know? I want women, especially out there, to know that you are enough right where you are. You don't have to wait to be enough when you arrive at a certain goal. But you're actually enough right where you are right now. And that doesn't mean that you don't go on the, on the growth journey. That's absolutely, 
essentially a part of it, but right where you are right now, you know, I, I just see so much comparison in, in our world, especially as women, as mums and as wives, we, we compare ourselves to people <laughs> on ridiculous levels. And, and I think that probably, you know, we, we see it on social media all the time. We hear it that comparison is the thief of joy. And so, you know, if we truly want to live that life of joy, then stop comparing ourselves <laughs> to, to anyone else. There's, you know, you just need to know that you are enough right now, where you're at, who you are, you are enough. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I couldn't keep going, but I think <laughs> it's so good, though. It's so powerful. I mean, oh, I think as women, that's probably one of our biggest downfalls or the biggest struggle is not feeling like we're enough and, and having to do all of these wild things extend ourselves beyond our you know time and think it's all if I do this I'll be enough or if I do that I'll be enough or if I can get approval from this person or yeah but having no conditions is just wow what freedom Um, in that it all comes back to as you know Sarah you know our identity and, um, and I, you know, you would see the same. Um, so many women, and not just women either, but so many people coming into our, our rooms, our counselling rooms, who are essentially having an identity crisis because they, they live a life comparing themselves to others and measuring themselves up against others' expectations or others' um, lives. And it's, um, it's really damaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And I know personally how easy that is to get sucked into also. So, so amazing. And I'm so grateful to have women like you in my life to be able to shake me and say, knock it off, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> well, likewise, you're an gem in my world. Thank you. Uh, thank you. All right. So let's see here. There was something else. Oh, yes. Uh, can you give us a couple slang terms? We want to know. <laughs> oh, gosh. Now, now I'm, I'm going to freeze on the spot. Oh, look, the funny thing in, in Australia is that we shorten things, like we shorten words, we shorten people's names all the time. Or sometimes we might even lengthen them just so we can put an O on the end. <laughs> it's Devo or... Jimbo or, um, you know, we call afternoon is Arvo. Um, you know, like there's just, I guess, things that just roll off, off the tongue for us. You know, we call a barbecue a Barbie. Um, what else? <sighs> there's some that are totally inappropriate. Brekkie. Um, <laughs> Brekkie is breakfast. I kind of want to hear the inappropriate ones. <laughs> <laughs> I need to have a private session. Yeah, yeah that's so <laughs> But it's just things like um, chock-a-block. It just means that you're full. You know, if I'm chock-a-block or, you know, the cupboard is chock-a-block, it's full. <laughs> oh, okay. Huh. Um, crikey, awesome. another, just, it's just an expression of, you know, surprise. Oh, 
golly, I wish I'd, I could have come. <laughs> no, that's that. awesome. I put oh, you on the spot. I'm just going to help you. Oh, look, I'll, I'll have to record a, a conversation sometime with, um, with one of my brothers talking because they use so much slang. It's hilarious, hilarious. <laughs> snag. We eat snags on the barbie. A snag is a sausage. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else that you've, that you've heard? That you I, you know, I, I've said a couple of things that we say here regularly and I've been told I shouldn't say those. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Actually, I do know that when I was in Canada, um, I said something that I would normally say here and my, my girlfriend in Canada um, just did a double take and looked at me. She said, please don't ever say that here again. <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but I totally offended her. <laughs> It's so funny. I know. I, I know what it was. You guys call a sucker a lolly, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we we say sucker, and I was told I should not say sucker. <laughs> <laughs> that is not very nice. That's not my derogatory term in Australia. Yeah. 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 So we call it a lollipop. Or mm -hmm. a, yeah. That's so funny. Uh, it's so here's the thing that I just love about this and and it's we can giggle and laugh I love that piece of it but the thing that I really love is we can be on the other end of the world and still have amazing authentic beautiful connection yeah, and I really am grateful to social media I mean so many people talk about how negative social media is and and there are some things that can come with it negatively for sure i think so much of it is how you use it but i'm just so thankful that it's connected me with people like you and makes the world so much smaller it's really yes, amazing it does it does and i'm forever grateful too i um yeah, absolutely love the fact that um, we can connect and have one, two-hour-long conversations. And, uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, I, there's, there's some really special, other special people in my world as well who live, you know, Canada and elsewhere around the world. So um, it, it is a really beautiful thing. It I is. love it. I'm very, very grateful. And yes. um, I, love, I love the fact that, um, yeah, these connections... Uh, feel like they're easy to maintain too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's so special. true. <laughs> All right. We have a worldwide village. I love it. <laughs> very, very amazing. Yes. Well, thank you, Glenda, so, so much for being here with me. And I just can't wait for everybody to hear your beautiful story and uh, just to get to know you better. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. What a privilege, what an honor that you would ask me to come on. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness, what a fun and beautiful interview, don't you think? She just grabs your heart and it's just, she's just an amazing woman. Now, if you're not an Aussie, it's time for you to go out and catch up on your Aussie slang. <laughs> 
But seriously, thank you, Glinda, so much for sharing your journey through infertility and being brave and vulnerable with all of us. This is truly how we heal, and we appreciate you so, so much. I encourage you all to connect with Glinda. You can find her on Facebook. Glinda O'Neill is her personal page. Novo Counseling is her business page. She's also on Instagram, LinkedIn, and on her website, novocounseling.com.au. So all of those links will be posted in the show notes for you to be able to get in touch with her. Don't forget about our sponsor of this episode, Eliza Quinn Creates. I got to see her this last weekend when my daughter graduated and she brought all of her amazing earrings with her. It took me an hour to decide which ones I was going to order, <laughs> but I took advantage of her buy three, get one free deal and additional 15% off for all the We Podcast listeners. So make sure you mention the code Together We Rise and get in touch with her on Facebook or Instagram at Eliza Quinn Creates. All right. Thank you so much for being here today. Remember, your story makes you who you are. Speak your truth, grow like crazy, rise above, and always know that you are not on this journey alone. See you next time.